The Plumley Pod, episode 60. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to The Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley. And did you hear last week's episode? I don't often do this, but if you missed episode 59, I had the secret school governor on. And my goodness me, his information has gone down a storm. So if you happen to miss last week's conversation, that's episode 59 of the Plumley Pod, do go back and listen. The guy was an absolute superstar. It's so wonderful to hear these things coming from another voice and coming from another angle as well. Obviously, you guys know that I'm no governor and not that kind, not of any any kind of indoctrination centre anyway, but it was lovely to hear those things. It triangulates all of the stuff that I've been saying for you guys. You've got the likes of myself saying it, uh, former professional classroom teacher, current GCSE mathematics examiner. That's the national exams for 16-year-olds in the UK. And now you've got school governor of a primary school saying it, plus sort of tipping my hand really ahead of next week. I have the secret art professor coming back. Do not miss what she has to say. You know all of those videos I was making about the GCSE scam, the scandal that we have every year, the the fake qualifications that we give to children in our country. If you haven't seen those videos, you must have, I've done loads. If you haven't seen those videos, they're on odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E, O-D-Y-S-E-E, odyssey.com. If you type my name in, Sarah Plumley, that's Plum and then L-E-Y, Sarah with an H, you will see them. They're all over my site, of the, 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 the GCSE scandal. Anyway, next week, next week, the secret art professor will be in telling us all about the scandal that is the degree-making process, the degree-awarding process. She has a lot to share about what's going on at her university and universities in the United Kingdom in general some of the information, it's jaw-dropping. And at this stage of the game, I rarely expect to be shocked, but it is truly shocking. So look out for episode 61 also, because next week, the secret art professor will be telling you everything you want to know, and probably some things you really don't want to know about our universities. Anyway, that's enough self-promotion for one morning. It's a bit much 9am on a Sunday morning. I do apologise. I just don't like to forget. It's like giving notices at the start of a school day, isn't it? Otherwise, I might forget. So we do the bulletin first. We give the notes and then we can crack on with the main section, the main part. Now, my goodness me, you've probably guessed by the title of this podcast that I'm having a few technological problems just now. Actually, do you know what? It's not the tech at all. It's the people who control the technology. I've come to the conclusion that it's actually the people who suck, not the technology. It's the people behind it. I have been having extreme difficulty getting some very basic things done around here. Now, I work extremely long hours, and I really do mean that, and I don't even have weekends off. I actually work weekends too, and I'm very happy to do that. However, from time to time, I do need another competent person to help with some of the technological things that I require. In particular, I'm talking about my website and my online learning app. There are, there's some codes that I certainly don't know how to write. There are many programs that I don't know how to write. That's not my area of expertise. So I rely on techies to do that for me. 
I brief them, I tell them what I want and how I want it to work, and they go away and hopefully write some code and some programs that make what I want come into being. That's lovely. That's wonderful. After all, we can't... Exp- I mean, I'm a pretty good all-rounder, in fairness to me. I do do pretty well at lots of different things. I'm not just a mathematics teacher. I'm quite strong across a broad range of different skills. But, you know, coding is outside of my skill set. Not ashamed to say. But it's a shame because there's an awful lot of people who work in technology who seem to forget that it's because of people like me that they get their wages paid. Nobody comes to listen to them, right? I know this sounds really arrogant now, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Nobody comes to listen to them. They're there to make my stuff work. Yeah, nobody's queuing up to coo and oo and ah over their little piece of code that they invented, right? It might be very smart, it might be very clever, but that's not attractive. People come because there are interesting courses that they want to learn. Hopefully there's a teacher who's good at presenting information and is interesting and engaging to listen to. Maybe there's a a favorite comedian that you watch. Do you really care who set up the microphone? No, of course you don't. You're interested in the comedian. The people who set up the microphones are there purely because there is a comedian that other people want to listen to. And it's just a harsh reality of life. It's not to say that the sound people aren't exceptional professionals doing an exceptional job in something that they love. But the point stands, that job wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the stand-up comedian, for example, right? We used to get this in the theatre all of the time. There can often be friction between the technical side of things. So the people who do the lighting, the people who do the sound effects, the stage manager, perhaps, and the people backstage, the stagehands that add scenery or take scenery away, or the properties people, they're the ones who might bring on a piece of furniture, a small piece of furniture, perhaps, and or remove it. There's often friction between those people that work in the technical team and the actors and actresses on the stage. Things get fraught, things get tense. It's hard in theatre. You only get three weeks of rehearsal. You generally get 21 days max. And that's if you choose to work some days. You get 21 days from the first read-through of a play to the first night, the uh, the press night. All right? In some of the bigger places, like perhaps the Globe in, in London, at the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford-upon-Avon, and where else would be an exception? Some musicals, some mega blockbuster musicals, but I don't count them, they're not proper plays. As regards proper plays in proper theatres, you might get a bit more time at the National Theatre as well on the South Bank. So you've got the National, the Royal Shakespeare Company, Stratford-upon-Avon and the Globe. That's probably pretty much it if you're looking for longer than three weeks of rehearsal time. So nerves get frayed, things get very tense, especially towards the last few days. And Generally speaking, the actors only really come into contact properly and fully with the technical staff during the last few days of rehearsal, during the dress and technical rehearsals. And, you know, tempers boil over. And when it comes down to it, unfortunately, a lot of people, this does not apply to all technical people, but there are a lot of technical people who actually wanted to be actors and actresses on the stage. And for whatever reason, either decided they weren't good enough or decided that the industry was too unfair, whatever, whatever, and decided to specialize in the tech side of things. And there is a level of jealousy there. But there shouldn't be. Ultimately, audiences come to see the actors and actresses perform a play. So we're interested in what the playwright has written. And we're interested in the characterizations from the actors and actresses and the director's overall concept and direction. We're not that bothered about the lighting design, I'm sorry to say. We're not that bothered about the soundtrack. We're not really concerned with with most of those things. It's not to say they're not important. Of course they are. 
any good director will know very well how important lighting scenes properly is, how important it is to have good sound effects, and in particular, a good soundtrack. That's the mu- uh, music selection, right? So th- these things are important, but it's a great shame. It gets spoiled by preciousness and you know people being silly. It is a team effort, sure, but actually... It- it's not like a you know some sort of commie event, some communist event where we're all equally important. Because at the end of the day, if there was no men and women standing on stage giving it the large one, then there would be no jobs in these technical aspects. Would you go and see an empty theatre lit? <laughs> oh, lovely lighting. Shame there was no actors, no play. Stupid, right? Stupid. Let's get things in the right order. Anyway, I've not come to complain about theatricals and and they're the kind of technical workers who work in sound and lighting. I have two fabulous people who work to make my rare and dulcet tones sound a bit less bad on this podcast, and they do an, uh, an amazing job. They're, how would you put that? They're like artisans. Although because I live in France, that word's a bit tarnished for me. What the French might refer to as an artisan is not really what I had in mind, but I mean it in, in its real context, in the most genuine meaning of artisan, a specialist, somebody who loves their craft. And that's, that's, you know, that's absolutely wonderful. What I've come to complain about are the computer ones. Yeah, the computer ones. Oh my goodness me, check this out. So this was the first thing that happened to me yesterday. I have to take card payments online, unfortunately. I don't like that. It's involving the banksters and you know how much I love them. Not but in this day and age, it is extremely difficult to, to work without an online payment partner or whatever. There's only certain companies that are allowed to take card payments online. And then people like me have to, have to piggyback off of one of these companies typically. And at the moment, I'm working with Stripe and mm, it's okay. I have to say it's not the best. It's been only okay. And I don't foresee that I will have a long future with them. And I'll tell you for why. Yesterday, when I was doing some work with my Calendly account, that's another piece of software, another software company that I I have to use, or that I, well, I say have to, I've got a choice of maybe three or four companies that do the same thing, which is effectively allowing people to book me online without me having to do hundreds of emails. Very handy, very nice, very grateful that some clever technical person was able to do that. Fabulous. You're supporting and holding up the entrepreneurs. Brilliant. However, check this out. I got this notification came up whilst I was in my Calendly account, attaching my Stripe account to the Calendly account for online payments. It says, Calendly partners with Stripe for secure payments. Fair enough. So does Sarah Plumley. Then it says this, show customers your climate commitment. <laughs> it really says that. It really, really says that. If you want proof, I did a little bit about this on my live stream on Wednesday night. Wednesday's live stream is live stream number 12. You can find that on my Odyssey channel as well. O-D-Y-S-W-E.com, odyssey.com. Anyway, I'm literally reading the proof and I I showed you the proof of this. I was stunned. It's the first time this one has happened to me online. Show customers your climate commitment. Calendly partners with Stripe Climate to make it easy for your business to combat climate change. Well, Calendly and Stripe, I shall just stop you there. I shall just stop you there. The climate is constantly changing. It always has and it always will. So what type of climate change are you referring to? 
Number two, I'm sure, Calendly and Stripe, that you are fully aware of weather modification technology. Weather modification technology. Weather mod- modification has been around and has been being studied since about 1920 that we know of. 1920. If you would like proof of that, you can go and watch Frankenskies at frankenskies.com. I will leave the link in the description. Link in description for you there. Frankenskies.com will show you the evidence, the video evidence and the documentary evidence of governments all over the world in trying to interfere with the weather, trying to manipulate the weather to their own ends. We, of course, you can fast forward then to the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. The Chinese government were very proud of the fact that there had been not a single drop of rain on any of their stadia during the entirety of the 2008 Olympics, despite it being the rainy season during that particular Olympiad. They openly said that they'd used weather modification to make sure it didn't rain. So, are we, and by the way, it's not just the Chinese who manipulate the weather, the Americans do it, the Brits have done it. I think we drowned some of our own people, didn't we, when we tried that down south somewhere, if I remember that correctly. But anyway, are we expected to believe that human beings interfering with weather has no effect on our climate at all? We're supposed to believe that. Go and look up HARP. Go and look up HARP. If you do a a search on HARP, you will learn all about weather modification and manipulation. It's a real eye-opener. You see, my question to Stripe and to Calendly, who are wanting to combat climate change, is instead of trying to steal money from me or manipulate me into giving you money and my good people, my Gorilla Edders, into giving you money, why don't you go and lobby the governments of the world to switch off and cease and desist with their weather modification equipment? Let's have an international agreement. Everybody on the planet agrees to stop effing with the weather, to turn off fricking harp and all of the other forms of weather modification. All of them, yes, including what you're spitting out of the back of those aeroplanes deliberately. Pilots, we know what you're doing. Pilots, do you want to be treated with the kind of disdain that doctors, nurses and other members of the NHS are currently being treated with now that people are starting to wake up to the scamdemic? It'll be your turn next, pilots. I'm just warning you. We know. Yes, it's not all of you, but there are plenty of you up there spraying the skies. How do I know? Because I've watched Frankenskies, frankenskies.com. Anyhow, let's have an international treaty. Calendly and Stripe, your Stripe's a very large company. Calendly pretty much also. Why don't you use your power and influence and money to go lobby the governments of the world to switch off their weather modification for six months. Then we can start to collect data. Let's collect data. Let's give the planet a six-month break of your filthy weather modification, your meddling in affairs that don't concern you. Let's stop that. Let's give the planet a break for six months. And then we'll leave those weather tech off for another 12 months while we collect 12 months of data. And when I say we, we're going to have lots of different teams from all walks of life taking temperatures and and checking other people's work. So, for example, I don't trust the weather people around here to tell me what the temperature is. I have three different thermometers placed in, in different places in the shade, in the garden, 
on the terrace and, and in various places, right? I can take the temperature where I live perfectly fine, thank you very much. I know how to read a thermometer. So I'm not going to let you tell me it's, you know, 45 degrees when it's nothing of the kind. It's 32 when it's measured properly. And we can do this. Why not? Why would it be so bad to switch off all of the weather manipulation, all of the weather modification for a total of 18 months? Let's just stop messing in things that we don't properly understand. Let's stop playing God. There we go. Finally put my finger on it. Let's stop playing God because you're not God's. And let's just see what happens. Let's see if the planet decides to start healing itself, if indeed it is damaged at all. Anyway, I was furious. I was furious to be offered this oh, disgusting offer. It says, continuing on, set your contribution. Every dollar will fund next generation carbon removal. I'm glad I continued reading. I forgot that part. Every dollar will fund next generation carbon removal. Guys, humans are carbon. That's us. Humans, animals, we're all carbon. Edit your program at any time from your account settings. Start contributing after I have blah, blah, blah. No, and I just click no thanks, obviously. But the very idea, every dollar will fund next generation carbon removal. I'll tell you what, I'd love to know where this money's going. Who do they pay it to? And what do they do with it? Is anyone stupid? I, I, I presume people are stupid enough to do this. Hence why they're continuing to ask. I was furious when I read that. Absolutely furious. I'm not exactly the brains of Britain. Do you know what I mean? I'm no Stephen Hawkins. I might look at me, listen to me. Goodness me. Of course not. So if I can work out that we might want to stop the weather manipulation, if we want to really find out how the climate's changing and whether or not that's a good or bad thing. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? Why is it me pointing these things out? Why is it me pointing these things out? I, I really do not understand why this has been left to me. I don't appreciate it. I've got other stuff to be doing. There are plenty of people who need help in mathematics, who need help with their guerrilla education journeys. They've got young people that they want to make sure achieve the, the very best they can achieve in both academic subjects and in sports and arts. Goodness me, goodness, goodness me. Not at all impressed. Anyway, that was just the first thing that happened yesterday. And I'm having real problems, real problems with getting stuff done for my website. Now, there's a bit of, you know, bit of funny stuff going on here because WordPress websites, they're great. It's a very clever piece of software, WordPress, but it's no great shakes. You don't exactly have to be a computer developer to make a half-decent website just using WordPress. There's loads of videos all over the internet that are free that teach you how to build your own website using WordPress. It is not rocket science. Even I can do it. Even I can make pages and stuff. You know, if I can do it, computers, anybody can, anyone can learn. So I find it galling when people who work at tech companies try to make out that they're doing things that are cleverer than they are. Do you know the sorts of people I'm talking about? They pretend that, oh, well, I need to fiddle with this and do that. It seems to me at the moment that there are an awful lot of people in tech companies, particularly junior developers, junior developers and, and sort of lower down. I think they're worried about losing their jobs to AI. I'm just going to say it. That's what it is. They're concerned that AI, this chat GPT stuff and other aspects of it is going to put them out of their job. And it will because they're doing stuff at a pretty low level. And most of us don't, we just want it done quickly. 
and accurately. And computers can already do that. Little changes to the website, little codes, little upgrades, whatever. I have to say, in the last six months in particular, I have found that people are trying to blag me. They're, they're trying to make out that what I'm asking them to do for me is more difficult than it is. So, for example, I had a problem a few weeks back and I explained what I wanted to happen and I got told, oh, it's going to take a whole day's work. These people charge 350 quid an hour, 350 pounds an hour. I know, I can just imagine Silver Susan gasping in shock. And as for Nick, oh, what will Nick say when she finds out that these people are charging 350 pounds an hour for, for some tech bits on a WordPress site? I know, Nick, it's disgusting, isn't it? Disgusting. Silver Susan and Nick are two of my good editors and oh, their faces, they make my day when I see their reactions to some of the things I say when I'm, when I'm live, live streaming or at my lectures. So funny. Anywho, these guys are making out that it takes longer than it does. 350 quid an hour for doing a few bits and pieces, pressing some buttons. Anyway, long story short, I asked for something to be done. I asked for a problem to be solved. The guy took a whole day. Basically, he's going to bill me for a whole day at 350 pounds an hour for what, like six, seven hours? That's a lot, isn't it? Don't like the sound of that. Anyway, we, he ran his little program and it didn't work. Okay, it worked. It worked for nine, nine of my members. <laughs> right, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> less than a tenth, well less than a tenth of my membership. I, I wanted this solution to work for every, all, all of my members, right? So I wasn't best pleased and I explained to him that no, this needs to work for everybody, the the uh, people who've been with me a long time, as well as the people who've been with me only a short time at Gorilla Education. Anyway, uh, he went away to fiddle with his genius program that had taken all day for him to write. And I left it because I had loads. I was basically live that night and I needed to go and get my notes prepared for my teaching. <sighs> so gets to the weekend and the problem has not been solved. So I take three hours out of my Saturday I don't have Saturdays off anyway. I do work, but I had other work planned. So I put that work on hold. I went in to the computer system and I sat and thought about the problem. I was in my Stripe account. That's the, uh, the payment processing people that I mentioned earlier. I was also in my WordPress site and in my app, my uh, online learning platform. And I sat there and I just thought about it and I made some notes and I figured it out. I went, hey, hey, it was a bit like, adding really, I suppose. It was when I sat and thought about it, just using pure logic, no computer specialism. You know, I have no computer specialisms, right? Not at all. Not at all. But I thought about it and went, I wonder. So I actioned my plan just using pure logic and I solved it. I fixed the problem in under three hours. It took me less than three hours than it took this tech geek, this developer person, took this guy a whole day and his solution didn't work. Now, I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a computer muppet, let's face it. I am. Um, and, you know, I know that uh, Stephen will be chuckling because he knows. And I know that if Paul is gracing us with his presence on this podcast, he'll be, he'll be nodding sagely. Yes, yes, Plumley's a computer muppet. If I've managed to work it out in under three hours, why the hell has it taken you all day to not fix it? And you're billing me at three? That is not worth 350 quid an hour, is it? It just isn't, you know? I'm really starting to get naffed off with people pretending that they're better than they are. And I think this is going on a lot. It's not happening just in computing, although at the moment there's obviously huge incentives for particularly junior developers, maybe even some senior developers, 
depending on how good they are or not. If, if you're a WordPress merchant, you're basically a bit of a spanner twirler. There's plenty of people who can twirl a spanner, pal. If all you know is WordPress, mm-mm, and you're a professional developer, mm, not sure about that. I, th- I, th- I think there's a lot more to, to being a developer than just being good on the old WordPress. Anyhow, I think it's going to be, I think these people are scrabbling. They're trying to make themselves seem more valuable than they are because they're terrified of losing their position or getting their hours cut or losing their jobs because AI is able to do quite a lot of things that we used to get humans to do already, particularly in in this field. It's very sad though, you know, there's no dignity in pretending to be better than you are. There's no honor. Where are you going to go? And people are going to find out. Like, it's taken me a while, but I've already started to rumble the odd person that I've worked with or I'm working with and think, "Mm, yeah, I don't really think you're as good as you think you are. And perhaps you even know that you're not really that good, but you're assuming that I'm really stupid. Whilst I might not know lots about computers, I do know people. I can read people. I'm not stupid, right? And I can use logic. Go back to first principles. If in doubt, back to first principles, back to logic, be logical, work it through, reason it through. My major subject is mathematics. So yeah, basically, I think you picked the wrong parish, didn't you? You picked the wrong parish to haul ass through. Yeah, I'm not having it. Not having it at all. I wonder if you guys are having problems with people taking you for a ride. That What was it? I was speaking to a senior architect the other day. Sorry, a software architect, I think they're called. I'm not very well up on the levels of these, these computer geeks, but I was speaking to a really good friend of mine, actually. He's a top, top bloke. He's one of the good guys. He's one of the really, really good guys. He fixes lots of mess that other people leave and never says anything about it. He's very modest and very that, that's why I know he's one of the real ones. Anyway, this software architect said to me, he said, yeah, he said, to be honest with you, an awful lot of the general public sort of look at us and like we're the magic box magicians, the magic box being the computer and the developer being the magician. And he said, a lot of that's about to disappear when people realize that how much stuff AI can do and do for them. He's like, there are a lot of jobs going to go. He was also hypercritical of the standard of graduate that is coming out in the computer and IT fields. I'll try and get him onto the podcast. He's extremely busy though, so I'm not promising, but I will try and get him on to speak to you and so he can tell his story. But he's getting very, very frustrated because an awful lot of computing that happens, like say you're doing coding at university, computing or whatever, whatever fancy names they come up for it. Say you're doing computers at uni. There's a lot of theory now, a lot of theory and not an awful lot of practical, hands-on stuff. And he's noticed a, a real decline in the, in the kinds of people that used to come out of university even 10 years ago and into a job as a, a junior developer. And now he lives and works in the United States and they're pretty much cutting edge. The Americans tend to be a lot sharper and faster than the British developers. They don't test and check things obsessively because they're working in a cutthroat environment. There's a much stronger hiring and firing culture in the United States, more generally, not just in tech. But, you know, you've got to be good. You better be good or they're just going to fire your ass and get somebody who is good, who can do it properly and quickly. So he was being very polite because he's a lovely gentleman. But he, he was basically saying to me that quite a lot of the English developers are slow. They're slow. They want to test and check everything over and over. Yeah. And he also explained to me there's a lot of people pretending that they're wizards when really they're just good at using WordPress. 
if you were really good, you'd have invented WordPress, wouldn't you? You'd be the one creating WordPress or improving, developing WordPress itself, not using WordPress to do websites for other people. It's a little bit, mm. anyway, this gentleman, he, it's not WordPress that he builds. I, I won't say who he works for, but you've all heard of the company. It's a very famous company, and he's somebody pretty senior in the IT department there. And uh, he's a top, top guy. He might have to come on anonymously. Having that a lot with my guests at the environment for a while. It's a it's a, it shows the state that we're in, doesn't it? When people are afraid of speaking their mind and speaking the truth. You know, speak, to speak the truth is a, a dangerous thing. I, I can't remember that. I'm going to mess up the quote. I should probably look it up before I do that. But there's that wonderful quote, isn't there? It's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. It's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. I think, who said that? Is it Voltaire? I'm going to have to look it up now. Or it's going to drive me crackers all day. It's going to drive me crackers if I don't check it. I will just check it. But I, I really feel that. I really, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. And then I'm like, no, no, I absolutely don't ever do that. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the truth regardless of the consequences. I'm a big believer in that. Yep. Oh, shock horror. It's dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. Voltaire, it was. So they say. How interesting. I actually remembered one. Woo! Go me. Well, it's probably about the height of it for today because I'm engrossed in teaching mathematics. I've got maths videos everywhere. Maths, maths, maths. Because I have the... By the time you've listened to this, it will have already happened. I've got my Gorilla Red Maths workshop on Saturday. That's yesterday to you guys. The Saturday just gone. So I'm busily preparing my resources and checking my notes and all of that kind of thing. We had a wonderful session on Tuesday night, Why You Suck at Maths. It was well attended. I'm really starting to feel that there are some parents and grandparents in the UK that are really starting to understand that there is a huge, huge problem in education. And it's the same as this sort of techie disease where people are pretending to be rather better than they are and rather more capable, competent, and intelligent than they truly are. There's not enough humility, and that's particularly true in education, an awful lot of arrogance. The way parents are talked about behind their backs in schools, you should hear it in school staff rooms. If you happen to know a teacher, take them on one side and, uh, you know, you might want to pour some liquid down the top end and just uh, ask them the question. Ask them, uh, you know, what it's like in the staff room. It's, well, let's put it this way. The British sitcom teachers didn't go anywhere near far enough. I'll tell you that for free. It made it look rather twee and quaint by comparison with the real thing. Too much arrogance and not enough humility and not enough people willing to put the hard work in, which is why I was so happy to see a good turnout for Why You Suck at Maths. Real parents, real hardworking grandparents, all of whom want to give their children a, a real shot at education, a real education now, not some fake nonsense that the government thinks your children should learn. I don't even think the government thinks your children should learn anything apart from obedience and that truth comes from authority and that you have to do and say what the government says and the government always tells the truth. I'm not really sure they're bothered after that. What else is the reason for this? The history of climate change, GCSE. I'm going to have to get the syllabus for that. I'm going to have to go through that syllabus. Part of me really doesn't want to. It really doesn't want to look. I just can't bear it. It will tear a piece of my soul out. But the other part of me, the nasty part, really wants to see it. 
I'm going to tear it to shreds when I see it. I'm going to tear it to shreds. Uh, it just, why are we wasting our children's time? Why are we allowing these creeps to waste the time, the precious time of our precious children? It makes, I, I want to say it makes no sense to me. It makes perfect sense. It's nefarious. It makes no good sense. It's for nefarious reasons. It's for reasons other than true and genuine education. But I, I mustn't get off on a tangent. I really, really don't have the time today. I have so much to prepare. I'm so looking forward to the maths workshop. And do listen out for next week's podcast. I've had a sneak preview of the Secret Art Professor's material. So you are just going to love and hate what she has to say next week. I'm going to leave it there for this week. I do apologize. It's slightly shorter than usual, but I trust you will forgive me because like I say, I really do have to go and do real prep. I know, imagine a real teacher into her third decade of teaching maths and she still preps. How about that? How about that? I know, I know. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, I better leg it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Keep on fighting the good fight. You're an army of one. You are an army of one fighting against the bad guys every single day. Keep on it. Keep after it. And remember, your children can either be educated or schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination. 